The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Ben and I have had the privilege of coming to the Answers Pastors Conference here at Answers in Genesis. We've gotten to hear some incredible speakers and actually interview many of them after their, their talks. Uh, Dr. Albert Moeller, Ken Ham, Bodie Hodge, some incredible people. Ben, what are some reflections you have after, uh, after listening to these? Yeah, it was a fantastic conference and, and has been so far. We still have a few days left. Um, I really, there's so much that I enjoyed. Couple, couple things that I thought were really great. First of all, Al Moeller, um, when he talked, he talked about some of the cultural shifts um, that, that, are having, that we're having in our society. And Eric, he didn't spend most of his time in the headlines and in statistics. What amazed me is he spent most of his time in Romans chapter one, the word of God. And he said, this is the formula for, for what's happening in our culture. And it's happened before. If God doesn't come back, it'll happen again. It'll happen over and over and over again. Romans 1 has the formula and and I just and he goes this is what's happening he paralleled it and I really appreciated that uh, some of his thoughts in in Romans 1 I uh, I tweeted one actually you can follow me at at Ben Shetler um, here's here's what he said in fallen humanity there is no position of moral neutrality mankind if is actively suppressing God's truth. And uh, Ken Ham's actually going to talk about moral neutrality or the lack, that the impossibility of it. And um, I, I, I thought it was great, so I really like that. Then I'm excited about a future talk that Ken Ham is going to give, and he gave us a insight in it today. He talked about how there is a collective message of error that the world is giving. And all over the world, it's given in China. He talked about all over the world. And that message is God is not the creator. And the, the world has their message down. Yeah. The division is inside of the church. And um, he's going to talk about the, the verse that talks about giving a wrong sounding trumpet. People are confused when that warning is given. Is it a warning? Is it not? If the trumpets sounded wrongly and the church must decide to trust the authority of the word of God. We have to make that decision. Either God's word is true or it's not. Either God is the creator or he's not. And and uh, him giving us that interview, I can't wait for the talk. It's going to be fantastic. So a couple of my favorites, and I'll just be honest, um, I'm very thankful for how Al Mohler is standing in our culture for truth. And um, and so it was certainly an honor to uh, to be there and to be with him last night as we interviewed him. That, that was an honor. And also Ken Ham, that was great. Very cool. We certainly have enjoyed it. If you missed this year's pastor's conference, send your pastor here next year. As you can see, it's a beautiful time of year for he and his wife to get away. I, the one thing I've heard more than anything from the pastors is I've been so encouraged by this. Yeah. It's it, Man, we're standing out there alone and to come here and see and fellowship with other pastors, it's been incredibly encouraging. So I encourage you to be here next year and come enjoy Answers in Genesis Pastors Conference. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your hosts affirm the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Today our country is changing, and it's getting darker and darker as we go along. The question is why? 
We're here with President of Southern Seminary, also a leading voice for the gospel and national biblical Christianity, uh, President Albert, Mol Albert Moeller. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great to be with you guys. Dr. Moeller, unfortunately some people weren't able to be at this conference for pastors this morning. Your talk on moral relativism and why we're headed that way was amazing. Can you give an overview of your talk for the people that didn't get to attend? Sure, it's, it's really a talk about moral revolution, you know, making very clear that what we're experiencing is unprecedented uh, in its scope and scale and in its velocity. And I think that's what most of us sense, that something dramatic is changing. And, you know, morality is never simple. It's, it, it's not like that's just a part of the society. The society lives on moral terms. Uh, and, uh, and every one of its individuals operates out of a moral life. And so when you start tampering with the morality, you change everything in the society. The word revolution plays in here because we're not just talking about moral change, we're talking about an, a turning upside down of, uh, of some of the most important things in life. I and mean, when you're redefining marriage, the central molecular unit of society, I mean, you're, you're, you're going so far as to intentionally revolutionize the society. I, I talked about the three stages of moral revolution, where first something is condemned, then it's affirmed, and then the ones who won't affirm it are condemned. That was and fascinating. That's where we're, that's that's where where we're, we're living right yeah. now. You know, the, the, uh, the, just to take same-sex uh, issues, they were, uh, homosexuality was condemned, and then it was approved, and now those of us who won't approve it are condemned. Right. And so I want the church to think squarely about what we face, not in order to retreat, uh, much less to compromise, but to say this is a huge challenge. We better be ready for it. And it's particularly a huge challenge when you go younger in the population. Mm -hmm. And so the younger you, uh, you reach, uh, the, more, uh, the more you got to say, the more argument you got to have. I think there's some very dedicated Christians that have faith in the Word of God, but they're sitting here looking at our culture saying, this is the worst it's ever been, this is terrible. And you spoke to that today in your Romans 1 talk. I thought that was fantastic. Would you mind expounding on that? Yeah, it really is tempting to say we live in a time of unprecedented evil and uh, uh, of pornographic intensity and, uh, and, and sexual insanity and debauchery, you go down the list. And that would make perfect sense if you hadn't actually read the Bible. But if, if, you, if you had read the Bible, I mean, we get the word sodomy from Sodom. I mean, it, the, the, these, nothing is new. You know, one of the stories I often tell people is that my Sunday school teacher told me when I was 13 that I should read through the whole Bible, which is a good piece of advice. I started doing it then. I've done it every year thereafter. But you give a 13-year-old boy a Bible and you tell him to start in Genesis 1, by the time I got to Leviticus, I, was, I had a sex education coming to <laughs> I mean, there was so much there. And I actually had to use a dictionary and look up what some of these things were. I didn't have any reason as a 13-year-old to even know about them. But as a 13-year-old, I had the sense to think this. These things are only in the Bible because somebody was doing these things. Mm. You know, mm. God didn't need to speak to them if they weren't happening. And, you know, that's an important thing for us to remember. These things aren't as new as we'd like to think. Uh, we trace the source right back to Genesis 3, and we understand that human beings got to the deepest levels of depravity in a hurry. Remember the flood? Yeah. You yeah. Know, in other words, we've got to be really careful about saying these things are new. It's perfectly honest and right to say they're new for us. Mm. But, you know. In your talk, you gave an example of an English teacher teaching Shakespeare. Can you tell them? To give that give that analogy, give that illustration. You know, it's a, it's a very heartbreaking point because he was writing about college students today, and, and he said, you know, Shakespeare's sonnets in particular, and and even the play, you think of Romeo and Juliet, they're drenched in sexual longing, uh, in the longing of adolescents and young adults for the fulfillment of sexuality. 
that, uh, that of course we know is supposed to come in marriage. And so those sonnets yeah. were a way of expressing what was clearly a, 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 a sexual weight uh, and a longing. And uh, he said, I really can't teach Shakespeare to college students much anymore because they're not waiting for anything. There's no longing. Uh, when, when they uh, in a hookup culture, how do you teach Shakespeare? Right, <laughs> they they don't even understand that anymore because they've already experienced for anything. It. They right. haven't their their longings uh, for uh, physical satisfaction. Uh, that that's uh, all come about the hookup culture. There is no doubt there are challenges ahead, and so I'd like to end on a more positive note because <laughs> there might be people watching going. What do we do? It is yeah. the worst. Yeah. Is, and, and I do think that there are answers for leaders, whether you're a leader that's a mom or a dad, or you're sure. a leader as a youth pastor or a pastor. What, sure. what, are, what are some answers you would give? Well, it just drives us back to the gospel, first of all. Amen. And, uh, you know, we're the people whose hearts can be broken, but we're the people that shouldn't be shocked. Uh, you know, anyone who's a pastor of any length of time loses a lot of the ability to be shocked. And, uh, you know, honestly, the same thing is true for a lot of parents. You know, you're surprised maybe the first time your kid says no and disobeys. But, you know, after a while, you get used to the fact this is a long battle. This is not won just by, you know, a quick prayer over the cradle. This, is, right. this, is, a, this is a long, long work. And so, you know, we're up to this. We really are. Christ intends to show his glory in his church in the midst of all of this. Uh, we don't get to choose our times. We don't get to choose the conditions. Uh, we're assigned a gospel. And uh, Christ will show his glory in his church, whatever the age. Wow, that is so true. There is hope. There is hope. Absolutely. I, I love how you just go right, everything, even your message tonight, going right back to the Bible, right back to that biblical authority. Absolutely wonderful. Dr. Moeller, thank you so much for being on today. I believe the solution is leading. God has used people to, to lead, and so leading is very important. And wonderful thing, you have written a book called The Conviction to Lead. So I challenge you to go and grab that book. And you can also read more articles from Dr. Moeller at albertmoeller.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Great Moeller. Great to be with you guys. Thank you very much. Sure. We appreciate it. Creation Today is excited about our ever-growing collection of digital downloads. We have everything from books to DVDs to even PowerPoint presentations, all to equip you to learn and share the truth of our Creator. Why wait? Start strengthening your faith today with our all-new digital downloads. Available at the Creation Store, creationstore.org. We're here at the Pastors Conference at Answers in Genesis, right here in Kentucky, and excited to be with the President and CEO of Answers in Genesis, Mr. Ken Ham. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you again. All right, now, Ken, yesterday when we walked into the offices here, you uh, did your usual. You made fun of me. Thank you. And then... Well, how can you help that? I know. Everybody <laughs> does. And then you, off the cuff, I said, what's the purpose of the pastor's conference? And you went right into, it's an issue of revival. It's something that the Holy Spirit does, but we're wanting the Holy Spirit to do that. And you talked about that. Can you, for the people that weren't here... Tell them a little bit about that. Well, you know, obviously when you look at our culture and you see it becoming more secular every day, in fact, the whole Western world is becoming very secularized, uh, we realize that something very much is wrong. And, you know, and we think back to generations ago when there were great revivals uh, in England or, you know, other parts of the United Kingdom, uh, even in America, there's been at times certain great revivals. 
And so we can look at today and say, we need a great revival in our land. And I agree, we do need a revival. But I really believe that before we can have revival, that we need a new reformation. Mm. And the reason I say that is because, you know, it's the church that God uses uh, to transmit his knowledge, if you like, um, uh, to, to proclaim the gospel, to, to teach the word of God to, to the culture and to be salt and light. Because the church collectively is, you know, the body of God's people, the, the, the true born again believers. But if the church is not standing authoritatively on the word of God as they should, if the church has compromised, then I don't believe you're going to get revival in the land. And so part of our mission is actually to call the church back to the authority of the word of God. So it's really to bring reformation to the church. And if the church is reformed in that sense, and if God's people get excited about God's word and stop compromising, and you know, the majority of Christian leaders, unfortunately, uh, in this country, have compromised with evolution or millions of years. And if we can get them back to the authoritative word of God, I believe God will bring revival. Go remember something, we don't bring revival. It's God who brings revival. It's God who revives people's hearts. But faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's God's word that convicts. It's God's word that's sharper than a two-edged sword. So that's why we've got to get uh, people back to God's word and then God through his word, I believe, would bring revival. Amen. Un unfortunately, not everyone here was able to, uh, to go to your talk yesterday, but you had a, a very powerful statement in your opening um, uh, keynote yesterday, and, and you said that if, if the devil can get someone to doubt the Word of God, then he can begin to get them to doubt the God of the Word. Would you expand on that? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the reasons I emphasize that is because People don't really, by and large, the majority of people in our churches, majority of Christian leaders, don't really understand what this ministry is all about. You know, they think that, oh, ministries like Answers and Genesis or Creation Today, we're just on about, you know, the age of the earth, mm -hmm. we're on about fossils, these are all sorts of scientific issues. I really have a burden to get them to understand it is so much greater than that. I've said many times, it's an issue of authority. Who's the authority, God or man? Right. That's what it's all about. And see, People have this sort of understanding that, oh, look, the most important thing is to go out there and tell people about Jesus. I mean, what does it matter if they believe in millions of years? What does it matter if they believe in evolution? Who cares about Genesis anyway? Now, besides the fact that, you know, the history in Genesis is foundational to the gospel, to the gospel. you know, the original sin and death as a consequence of sin. In fact, the gospel was first preached in Genesis, Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, your seed, her seed, and so on. Uh, that's where the gospel was first preached. But, but besides the fact that, you know, Genesis is, is the foundation to the gospel and the foundational history for all of our doctrines, the doctrine of marriage, for instance, is based in Genesis, one man, one woman, or why we wear clothes, God gave clothes because of sin in Genesis, or why we need a new heavens and new earth because of what happened to the current one in <laughs> Genesis there, or why Jesus called the last Adam takes the place of the first Adam, so it goes back to Genesis in Romans, for instance, when Paul is discussing the gospel, he goes back to Genesis by one man's sin of the world, death by sin. And Corinthians, it goes back to Genesis. You got the whole uh, Bible going it, back to Genesis. It, it, it sounds like exactly Genesis right. matters. <laughs> so, but, but see, you could look at all of that, that Genesis is also the very word of God. Many people don't seem to grasp this point. Stand back and look at it from a big perspective. The devil is very, very clever. You see, if the devil comes out and says, Jesus Christ did not bodily rise from the dead. <laughs> yeah. um, I think most 
truly born-again Christians would be astute enough to say, oh, I think that's an attack on the gospel, <laughs> that right? seems like a pretty big one. <laughs> <laughs> you would think they would recognize that, okay? Or even an attack on the virgin birth. And, and we know there's been those attacks, right? But when it's, you don't have to believe in six literal days, and you don't have to believe in a, in a young earth, and it doesn't matter whether there was death before sin, it doesn't matter whether God used evolution to, to finally evolve an Adam and Eve. When it's those issues, people say, well, that's not important, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, the Bible does say, if Christ be not raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Uh, and so they say, see, that's what's important. But see, there's a warning in the Bible itself. It's in 2 Corinthians 11:3. And God has this warning for us because this is God's word. And I'll paraphrase it. I want to warn you that the devil is going to use the same method on you, which means on anyone, on you, on your kids, on your grandkids, on your neighbors, your friends, anyone. He's going to use the same method as he used on Eve to get you to a position of not believing the things of God, to get you to unbelief. What was the method he used on Eve? Go back to Genesis 3. Did God really say? The method was to get Adam and Eve, to doubt God's Word. They doubted God's Word. That doubt led to unbelief. And you see, the first attack was on the Word of God. And we have to stand back and understand something. The devil's method ultimately is to get people not to believe the Word. He recognizes that if you get generations who don't believe the Word, they won't believe the Gospel that comes from the Word. Yes. And so, therefore, he's, he's patient because he works generation after generation, knowing if you can just get this generation to start to doubt God's word here at the beginning, if they doubt the days, if they doubt the flood, and if they start to think this is not real history, the next generation will open that door further and they'll doubt even more, and then the next generation will open that further and they'll doubt even more. See, what do you notice in scripture? When there's sin in one generation, if it's not dealt with, you usually notice it to a greater extent in the next generation. As well as that, one of the things that that I, I want to point out is this. Look, and, and I'll end with that verse uh, for our conference. If the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? So um, as I give that verse, I want to say this. As I have traveled around the world, and I've traveled to many different countries, not to every country, but I've traveled <laughs> to many, many different countries. Uh, that's why people here say, you know, with Ken, it's not the years, it's the miles. It's <laughs> <laughs> got yeah. a lot of miles on it. It's uh, the, <laughs> the miles. Miles wear you down after a while. Uh, but as I've traveled around the world, here's what I've noticed. It doesn't matter whether you're in a third world country, wherever you are, wherever there's an educational system, they will teach the same basic message. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're in Russia or whether you're in China or whether you're in America or whether you're in Bolivia or the Dominican Republic in the government schools, uh, in the state-run schools, what do they teach about origins? Big Bang billions of years, life began in some primeval soup, life evolved onto the land, you know, amphibians became reptiles, reptiles became birds and mammals, mammals became, uh, you know, ape-like creatures and you know, some ape-like, some ancestor common to apes and people evolved into humans and here we are. And here's Ben. Now, they, that's right, <laughs> exactly. Now, they, they might have little differences here and there, but the message is the same. Right. The message is unified. I mean, all around the world, wow. it, is, it is unified. Then, if you go to the secular museums, it doesn't matter whether it's the London Natural History Museum, the New York Natural History Museum, the Chicago Film yeah. Museum, the Smithsonian, or you go to a museum in Australia, in Brisbane, or in, in Sydney, or down in, in Hobart, in Tasmania, or you go to a museum in Bolivia, 
or the Dominican Republic, or do you go to a museum in Russia, or wherever, it, and you know what the secular museums, and they teach about origins, you know what they're teaching? There was a Big Bang billions of years ago, life began in some primeval soup. It's all the same. It's the same message. Then when you watch television, if you watch, if you watch PBS, if you watch the Learning Channel, if you watch the History Channel, uh, and, and you watch these documentaries on evolution, doesn't matter where you are in the world, and, and really, you know, with cable TV today, those, those programs, I've seen the History Channel in different countries all around the world, mm -hmm. but you, you watch those programs, what do you see when they talk about origins? Big Bang, billions of years ago, life began in some primeval soup, life evolved in the land, reptiles, evolved into birds, mammals, and so it goes on. Now right? there is one and, and exception so on television. The creation, the creation today, today show. show. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but, but around the world, from the secularists, from right, the secularists, good yeah. from, the secularists uh, from the secularists, the message is the same. It is. Yeah. Right? However, if you travel all around the world and you talk to Christian leaders, and I have, I've talked to pastors, I've talked to professors at Bible colleges, seminaries, different parts of the world, different parts of America, different colleges. Uh, if, if you look at the church, if you look at the church worldwide and you say, what do you believe about origins? Here's what you hear. Well, I'm not sure. Well, I, 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 I think God could have used millions of years. Well, I don't know. It could have been six days, but maybe he used evolution. Maybe he evolved animals to get Adam and Eve. I don't know. I think he might have evolved animals, but I think he made Adam and Eve specially. Well, I'm not really sure. You know, I think there was a gap between Genesis 1, 1 and 2 of millions of years. Well, I don't know about that. You know what? I think that millions of years fits into verse 1, and the rest of it is just, you know, God preparing the land uh, for, the, for the, the promised land. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. You know what? I think I, I believe in the day-age theory. Really? You believe in the day? Yeah. Well, you know what? I believe in a local flood. Oh, you don't believe in a global flood? No, I believe in a local flood. Now, you know what? I, I believe that God took two animals and put them in the garden and made them into Adam and Eve. You know, well, I, I believe the framework hypothesis. Well, I believe theistic evolution. Well, I believe like Hugh Ross, progressive creation. And you've got all these different oh, views, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. All for the same one reason. You know what it is? Every single compromised position on Genesis, no exception, you think about it, no exception, all trying to fit millions of years into the Bible. Exactly. Everyone has millions of years in the Bible. And here's the issue. The church is out there saying, well, could be this, could be that, I don't know, could be this, I believe this view, this view, this view, that view, this view, that view. The world is out there saying, we have one view, here it is. We're all united, we know it is, it's science. Mm. And the church is out there with all these different views the church is giving an uncertain sound, and it's the world that's giving a certain sound. And you know why the church is giving an uncertain sound? Because they're taking the unified view of man to try and fit it into the Bible. And that's why you have all these different views. And, and as I say to people, the reason you have all these different views on Genesis is all for the one reason they're trying to fit man's ideas into the Bible. Now, they mightn't all believe in evolution, but every one of them believes in millions of years, all those compromised positions, every single one, it's a common factor, trying to fit millions of years into the Bible. And you know why we have all these different views, uh, Eric and, and uh, Ben? Ben, isn't it? Ben, it is Ben. Yeah. It is Ben. Thanks. That's right. You know, I have a... <laughs> I'm moving up in the creation <laughs> world. Can yeah, I, I, I remembered your name. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah. Some of the staff here will tell you that's, that's really something. Uh, but Because <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have so many staff, I get confused at times. So anyway, well, I, you can't help but remember Eric because, you know, there, there's certain 
I it, try not to. Some, some, people, some people are so different that you, that you remember that. But, but here's the thing. You know, we have all these different views, the Eastie Evolution, Progressive Creation, Gap Theory. There's all these different views. Uh, and, and the reason we have them, uh, as I said, is, is because they're trying to put millions of years in the Bible. But the reason there are so many different views is because none of them work. That's the, they keep jumping to a new the one. The only oh, one that good. works is by taking God's Word as written. And that's, that's what we should be works. unified on. And see here's yeah, exactly the point is the church right now wants unity around man's Word instead wow. of unity on God's Word. That's Twitter worthy. And we need wow. to make sure we have unity on wow. God's Word. Instead, they have unity on man's word, which brings what? Disunity on God's word. So you have all these positions that don't work. And the only position that does is taking God to his word. And so I want to end the conference by saying, people, you know, it's like that verse of scripture I said, they were astonished at Jesus' teaching because he spake as one having authority, not as the scribes. Do you know why so many in the church don't speak with authority? Because they don't really believe God's word. Because there's, there's little doubts yeah, there. They're not really sure. And the, the other thing that I, I, I want people to understand is that everyone has a starting point. You know, we see the way the, way the Bible is taught in churches, you know, you've got all these, you know, these are spiritual things, moral things, relationships, the Bible's sort of all over, uh, over here, and, and then you've got these issues of evolution, creation sort of over here. They don't understand the Bible is actually a revelation from God to us. It is, it is the, the, the word from the infinite creator God, so it's the foundation for all of our thinking. We, we have to learn the lesson that Job learned. You know the lesson that Job learned? Do you realize God really taught Job about science, about historical science? I mean, that's the lesson Job Were learned. Were you there, Job? Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth, right? So, so he's teaching them historical science. If you weren't there, you better listen to the witness who was, who knows everything. But what did Job do at the end? See, people read the book of Job and say, it's supposed to be an answer to the death and suffering issue, but it doesn't give an answer to the death and suffering issue. Yes, it does. It gives this answer for this reason. At the end of the book of Job, Job recognizes after God teaches him about historical science. Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Do you know that? What about this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And, and Job recognizes he knows nothing compared to God. What happens? He says, you know all things. I repent in dust and ashes. And he finally recognized, I've got to let God be God. I know nothing compared to what God knows. And that's where we've got to get to, that we know nothing compared to what God knows. So we need to be like Job, fall down in dust and ashes and repent. Lord, I'm, I apologize for compromising your word. I apologize for thinking I can be God. I apologize for thinking I can tell you what you mean. Mm -hmm. Let me submit to your word. That's where we all need to get to. Now that is the perfect conclusion and I don't, friend, know where you're at today, but if you are doubting God's Word and trusting your own thoughts or your own mind over God's Word, you are falling for that lie that Satan fed to Eve, and he's been feeding it to mankind ever since. I want to encourage you. Trust in Christ and trust in His Word, our ultimate authority. You can learn uh, more, Ken. If you had to recommend a book on that subject, 
I'm thinking it would be the lie, but I'm wondering which one you would recommend on that one. Well, you know, really the heartbeat of our ministry is, is, the, is my book, The Lie, the lie yeah. uh, because it really deals with those issues, deals with issues of biblical authority and the importance of the book of Genesis, puts it all together in a particular way. It's really the textbook of our ministry. I mean, there's lots of materials, of course, and our answers books, you know, the apologetics right. books that give you the answers, but really the heartbeat of the ministry is, is the lie evolution. The lie. Yeah. Wow. So read the lie, and next year, pastors, make sure you're at the pastors' conference here, here yes. at AIG. Um, this and other fantastic stuff. Um, oh, that was great. Thank excellent. you so much. Thank sir. you for putting this conference on for pastors. And uh, we do. We pray for that. We don't need a new revelation. We need a new reformation. Right. So let's exactly. pray for that reformation to take place. Thank you for watching the Creation Today Show. Learn more at creationtoday.org. Do you need the tools to defend your faith? Visit our websites for up-to-date content. Attend one of our live events. And shop online at creationstore.org. We are Creation Today.